Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our discipleship pastor, Adam Scott. The countdown to 2020 is on. How many of you are ready for a new year and a fresh start, a brand new beginning? Anybody? Okay. Yeah, there's quite a few of you here that are excited about that. I'm excited about that as well. But before we get to 2020, I want us to spend just a few minutes recapping 2019. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at some of the most popular trends that have happened in our world over this past year. Now, let me go ahead and put a disclaimer on this, okay? I understand that for some of you, this is going to be a celebration of things that you remember just having happened. For some of you, this is going to be a time to catch you up on all the things you missed while you were watching reruns of Andy Griffith. That's fine, okay? There's no judgment whatsoever. Either way, we're going to have fun together as we learn some of the things that have happened in our world this past year. Let me show you the first one. This one is called the World Record Egg. How many of you ever heard of the World Record Egg? Okay, yeah, there's, there's quite a few of you. Okay, the world record egg has been a huge trend over this past year. It started at the beginning of the year with a humble Instagram user who posted this image with the caption that said, let's set the world record together and get the most liked post on Instagram, beating the current world record held by Kylie Jenner at 18 million posts or 18 million likes. Here's what happened. This quote, this uh, post quickly reached 18.4 million likes in just 10 days. And then over the next 48 hours, it reached over 45 million likes. And it became the most liked and shared image on social media, period. Not just Instagram, but all over the world. If you look it up, there's actually a video of Kylie Jenner, who did hold the record, cracking an egg on the ground and saying, take that egg, you know, because she was mad that she had been dethroned by a simple egg. Let's look at the next one. Storm Area 51. Did anybody storm Area 51 this year? Anybody? Yeah, they're, they're not among us. Um, this actually started as a Facebook event. There was a guy named Matty Roberts who decided that in September, I think it was September 20th, he was calling the whole world to come together in Storm Area 51. The idea behind this was that they can't stop all of us, right? They'll stop some of us, but we're going to find out about the extraterrestrial life that's existing within that property within that area. And, and quickly, this event on Facebook rose to the point that two million people said they were coming. One and a half million people said they were interested in coming. You know how many actually showed up? 150. <laughs> 150 of them showed up. Nobody actually gained access to anything, as far as we know. Uh, for all we know, there could have been a man in black that flashed a little blinky thing and everybody forgot the whole thing. But as far as we know, nobody made it through and nothing really happened as a result. Here's the next one. Fixing things with ramen noodles. Fixing things with ramen noodles. This is a big deal, okay? Now, if you're into DIY, if you like doing things for yourself, you need to know about this because it's going to save you a lot of time and money. Turns out you can fix anything with ramen noodles. 
All you need to do is mix it with a little bit of adhesive. You, you put it on the vanity or whatever, the bathtub, the car. I've seen this done on anything and everything. You sand it down, you spray paint it, and it looks absolutely good as new. Anybody tried this? Nobody has tried this. Now, I don't know. For all I know, this could be a gag. I don't know. I've never actually tried this. Or for all we know, this is how Jesus fixed things when he was growing up doing the carpentry thing. You know, we don't know how far this thing goes or how effective it's going to be until we try it. So here's the next one. Visco girls. Visco girls. Listen, my daughter dressed up as a visco girl for Halloween. So I have spent countless hours researching Visco Girls, trying to figure out what exactly a Visco Girl is. And I'm here to tell you, I still have no idea exactly what a Visco Girl is. Here's the explanation that I got online. It's a style that's often described as preppy and beachy and laid back. Um, The aim is for, for the girls to look relaxed and easygoing. Visco girls are often seen wearing oversized t-shirts that are sometimes long enough to cover their shorts, scrunchies in their hair. Guys, we got 60, what was it, 65 scrunchies for Christmas so that, so that my daughter could be a Visco girl and have scrunchies all over the place. Um, puka shell chokers and hydro flask water bottles decorated with stickers. So listen, ladies, if you're going through a midlife crisis, I want you to know this is where you need to go, Okay. You can become a Visco girl. It's not too late. It's still trending right now. And here's the last one. And this is going to excite some of you. Picture's a little bit grainy, but, but it is the fanny pack. The fanny pack. Yes, yeah, some of you are excited to see this trend has come all the way back around. The fanny pack is popular again, only now we don't call it a fanny pack. We call it a belt bag, okay? A belt bag. And you can be average trendy by wearing it around your waist like most people do, but if you really want to be trendy, you can wear it over your shoulder just like this, and you are top-notch. Like, you are the definition of trend. How many of you are wearing a belt bag today? Anybody? Losers. Okay, y'all need to get with it, get this stuff figured out. You represent our church, you represent our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and you need to get with the trends and get a belt bag and put it on. And what, when you look at this list, what a time to be alive, am I right? I mean, like, if, if nothing else happened in 2019, if the only thing we have to show for the entire year is this list, I think we can say that we have lived in a time of innovation and abundance. Some of y'all are laughing. That's okay. But when we look back over the year, especially in relation to trends like these that captivate the world for a season and then fade into obscurity, it it does cause us to ask some important questions. It causes us to ask, what's next? I mean, what is it that's going to matter tomorrow? Listen, I think these are important questions. And quite honestly, I think these are questions that go so much deeper than Visco Girls and Fanny Packs. What I mean is this, what's next in your life? And specifically, what's next in your relationship with Jesus? What is it that's going to be the most important thing to you in 2020? What is going to define you in the year ahead? What what in your life is going to stand the test of time? And what is going to be a trend that just fades into obscurity? Listen, these aren't new questions. 
These are questions that people all throughout history have wrestled with. These are questions that people in the Bible have even wrestled with. And today I want us to spend a little bit of time in a story in the Bible that that unpacks this, that centers around these questions, and that is specifically applicable to us today as we leave Christmas behind and move into 2020, a brand new year. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and open up to John chapter 6. John chapter 6, it's a long chapter. We're going to be unpacking all of it. So I'm going to give you a quick summary and then we'll throw some key verses up here so that you can see what the story has to say. The story begins with a large crowd that's following Jesus because of all the miracles that he has already performed. You see, they've, they've seen Jesus do some amazing things. And because they've seen Jesus do amazing things, they've decided that they want more. I mean, the thought process goes something like this. If Jesus can heal the sick, like if, if he can fix those problems, what can he do in my life? And so the crowd gathers around Jesus and it turns out he can do something more. He feeds all 5,000 plus of the people that are gathered in that area with one boy's sack lunch. Listen, the people around him are absolutely amazed. I mean, there is no doubt that Jesus is the best show in town. He's doing some incredible things. And it's caused the people to say, probably between bites, surely this is the prophet that is to come. Like, surely there's something special about this guy. Surely there's something in him that is worth following because he's doing these amazing wonders and amazing signs. Now listen, Jesus knows that, that, that his, his popularity is growing. He knows that the people are following him and interested in him, but he also knows that there's a fragility in their commitment. He knows that they're with him today because he's giving them what they want, but they may be gone tomorrow as soon as he says something that's not going to impact their mouths and their stomachs and, and their need for entertainment. So rather than sticking around, and wearing their praise like a, like a sash of honor, Jesus retreats to a private place where he can spend some time in, in, in a solitary place in the presence of God so that he can stay grounded in what he's there for. Now let me pause right here for just a minute and tell you this. If, if it's important for Jesus to excuse himself from the crowds to a place where he can be silently alone in the presence of God, how much more important is it for us to make that a commitment in our lives. You see, the truth is, over the past couple of weeks, many of us have traveled from family event to family event. We've been with family and friends, some that, some that energize us and make us feel good about life, and some that drain us and cause us to want our pillow more than anything else in the world. But either way, the one thing that keeps us grounded is when we come into the presence of God and let him define who we are and why we are put on this planet. Listen, I was convicted of this on Christmas morning. We told my kids, we said, you can't get up until 7 a.m. That's the rule. Um, you might catch Santa. We don't want to do that. So 7 a.m. is the time that you can get up, but you cannot set an alarm. <laughs> Let's hope they go till 8. But, but you cannot set an alarm. Well, my, my oldest um, got baptized this year, and, uh, and she set an alarm, but she didn't get in trouble for it. And the reason she didn't get in trouble for it is because she didn't set an alarm for 7 o'clock so she could get out of bed and run into the living room. She set an alarm for 6.30 so she could get up and do her devotion time with Jesus before she went in to see her presence. Y'all, I didn't do that. That girl's tapped into something. There's something about the presence of God that sets us up for the things he has in store for us. That's what Jesus does. 
He prioritizes time in the presence of God. And because of that, he's able to go on another day and do the things that God wants him to do. Listen, he starts off in a solitary place on the side of a mountain. And he's spending time with God there. But how many of you pace when you start thinking or when you start praying or when you start wrestling with things in your mind? I'm like that. I pace all over the place when I'm thinking. I like to think that Jesus began to pace as he was spending time with God. And as he began to pace, he began to walk three to four miles away from the place that he started. That's pretty big, right? Like that's a big deal to be so focused on God that you don't realize you've walked three to four miles. Oh, and one other detail, he did it while walking on top of the water. He just wandered out into the sea. That's how desperate Jesus was to escape the crowd. (laughs) Now listen, some of you are probably wondering how you can get that superpower, right? Get away from the crowd by walking on water three or four miles away from everybody. But as he's walking on the water, he, he comes into contact with his disciples that are on the boat. Whether intentional or by happenstance, he crosses paths with them in the middle of the sea and he accompanies them on their journey to the other side. Listen, isn't it just like Jesus to come into our lives when we're between where we were and where we want to be. You know, like, I feel like we could spend the rest of our time on just that one concept. You know, Jesus was with them on the other side, but, but as they're moving to the other side, he wants to be with them where they're going as well, and he accompanies them there. Jesus was with us in 2019, but he wants to be with us in whatever is happening next. You may be like the disciples and you may be saying, you know what, I'm too far gone. Like, I'm surrounded by water. I'm surrounded by debt. I'm surrounded by sin. I'm surrounded by addiction. I'm surrounded by pain. I'm surrounded by doubts. I'm so far away. I'm so many bad decisions away from Jesus ever being able to interact with me in the way that I know he wants to. But this story proves that Jesus can show up in an impossible situation in order to see us through to the other side. Man, that's a powerful lesson. The next day, as Jesus is doing this with his disciples, the next day there's a crowd that grows even bigger where Jesus had just left. You see, there was already a crowd of 5,000 men plus the women and children, but it says that there's other people that began to come because they began to get word about what Jesus had done, and they wanted to see what this Jesus thing was all about. But the crowd quickly realized that Jesus was gone, He had taken off. To get away from them, he had walked on water to the other side of the lake. And so they start to look for him. They immediately set off in their boats and they go to Capernaum, which is kind of like Jesus' ministry headquarters. And and when they don't find Jesus there, they hug the western coast of that, the Sea of Galilee, and they stop at every single port and they say, have you seen Jesus? Was he here? Have you seen Jesus? Is he here? And when they finally find him, they want to know what happened. They say, Jesus, when did you leave? Like, why, why did you take off? How did you get to the other side here. But Jesus ignores their superficial questions and instead he addresses their heart behind their willingness to follow him. This is what he says in John chapter six, verse 26. Very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and you had your fill. Listen, when Jesus says you ate the loaves and you had your fill, the word he actually uses in the original text there is is referencing um, animals eating fodder. That's what he's talking about. He basically says, look, you're acting like animals. You're only following me because you get something from me. You're only following me because there's food involved. Listen, my dog is like that. You put bacon on the top of his head, he'll slap his brains out with his tongue trying to get to it. That's what Jesus is saying here. 
He says, look, you're acting like animals. You're following me for the wrong reasons. You want your stomachs to be filled. You want your mouths to be full. You want your entertainment to be met all through me. But there's something more at stake. There's something bigger here that you need to understand. You see, they think they're being spiritual because they're using words like prophet and things like that. But Jesus says, no, you're not being spiritual. You're being selfish because you want things from me, but you don't want me. Listen, this is a gut check for those of us today that sometimes slip into that God is my genie and I'm only going to call upon him when I need him mentality. Because Jesus says, no, 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 we're not having that. That's not what this is about. That's not how this relationship is going to go. Jesus calls them, just like he calls us, to a deeper level of commitment. You see, he challenges them to to look beyond their fleshly desires and to recognize that he has more to offer. You see, the crowd is following after Jesus because they want barley loaves and sardines. That's what they had yesterday. Jesus says, I've come to give you eternal life, but they just can't see it. And so they tell Jesus, they said, look, there's a condition to our commitment. If you want us to follow you, then you've got to meet our expectations. You've got to give us another sign. You've got to do something for us. In other words, what they say is this. If you'll give us what we want, then we'll follow you for another day. Now, this is the thing. These people have already seen some amazing things from Jesus. They've already seen Jesus perform healings and raisings and cleansings and exorcisms. He's proven his power over inanimate objects like wine, bread, wind, and waves. Less than 24 hours ago, Jesus fed over 5,000 people with the kids' lunchable. And still they demand another sign. Will they ever be satisfied? But still they ask, and specifically they remind Jesus of a time when God provided a never-ending supply of food to their ancestors. It just fell from heaven, and it continued to feed them and replenish them. You know what we called that this year? Youth ministry. (laughs) That's what youth ministry is all about. Just keep feeding them, and they'll keep coming. But they reference that, and they say, look, Jesus, God did this for us in the past. You need to do that as well. Speaking to them from the context of their request, Jesus declares that he is the bread of heaven. He is the prize. He is the miracle. But get this, as as his revelation, as his self-revelation becomes clear, the crowds become smaller. Look what the Bible tells us in John 6, verses 60 and 66. It says this, on hearing it, Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Go to verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and they no longer followed him. Listen, from this time, as a result of this conversation, as a result of this teaching, as a result of this experience with Jesus, crowds and crowds and crowds of people began to leave Jesus and they went back home and they went back to work And they went back to their old habits. And they went back to their old way of thinking. Not only did they abandon following Jesus physically from town to town to town, but they mentally checked out and said, we're done with this whole Jesus thing. We're giving up on everything you are. We're giving up on everything you represent. We're giving up on everything you teach. And we're giving up on everything you stand for. Listen, don't miss this. Yesterday... 
They were willing to inaugurate Jesus as king because he gave them what they wanted. But today, when Jesus asks for their allegiance, they reject him outright. Listen, Jesus is obviously hurt, and he's obviously discouraged, and so he turns to the twelve. He turns to his closest followers, the ones that have been with him since the beginning. And this is what he says. You do not want to leave me too, do you? Listen, can you hear the pain in that verse? Can you hear the pain in Jesus' words? Isn't it encouraging to know that we serve a God that has experienced all the same emotions that we experience day in and day out? Listen, when we experience joy, our God has been there and he's experienced that. But when we deal with anxiety, God's been there and he's dealt with that. When when we experience discouragement and loneliness, look, this verse shows it. Our God has been there. Are you with me or are you not? Are you by my side or are you going to abandon me as well? Listen, the whole story up to this point has just been a backdrop to the way Peter responds. Because the way Peter responds in the next couple verses is something that I believe we should use to guide us into a new year. Guide us into a new season and guide us into a new experience with Jesus Christ. Listen, the words that Peter shares as he speaks up for the crowd of disciples, the 12 that are left, these are things that we need to write on our hearts. These are things that we need to write in our journals and these are things that we need to write on our bathroom mirrors so that we see them on a daily basis and we cling to them with everything that we've got. This is what he says in John 6, verses 68 through 69. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Listen, here's my sermon in a sentence, and it comes straight from those verses. A disciple follows Jesus even when the show stops. A disciple follows Jesus even when the show stops. Even when the trend ends, even when the page and the calendar turns, even when it's not convenient or easy, even when there are questions that have yet to be answered and questions that have not even been asked, a disciple follows Jesus even when he doesn't give them what they want or say what they want them to say. Listen, throughout this entire month, we've been challenged together to think Christ throughout the Christmas season. But see, Christmas is the big show, Christmas is the time that it's natural for us to stop and pause and spend time with Jesus, to, to, to reenact the story of Christmas, to, to, to respond to the story of Christmas, to read it together. But now that the big show is over, will we pack him away with the lights and the trees and the other Christmas decorations? Or will we stand like Peter and say, you know what, even though the big show is over, oh man, I'm going to stamp my entire life on this. Because Jesus isn't just a seasonal trend. He is a lifelong friend. Listen, I got to thinking about this because I've watched some movies with my son lately. He's three years old, so his favorite movies are Toy Story and uh, Monsters. Okay, He loves both of those. But my favorite movie to watch with him is, is Toy Story 3. How many of y'all have seen Toy Story 3? Oh, man. Don't even raise your hand if you haven't cried through it because you haven't really seen it until you've cried your way through it, okay? I don't think they should have made a Toy Story 4 because it ended so well. They hold hands in a furnace for crying out loud. 
But as they're holding hands in a furnace, I begin to cry. I think I've cried more at that movie than I ever cried when my kids were born. Like I'm telling you, it just messes me up every single time. But I'm watching that movie with my son and we're both really engaged in what's going on. And then the movie ends and I go, well, it's time to do the dishes and I can get up and I can move on to something else. But my son, on the other hand, he can't do that. Instead, he goes to his room and he gets his Woody toy and his Buzz toy and he holds on to him because guess what? The story goes on. Listen, in our relationship with Jesus, the show may be over, but what happens next? Do we just move on with our lives? Or do we continue to engage with him knowing that he has a plan and he has a purpose for us? Listen, for Peter, there was no discussion to be had. There was absolutely nothing temporary about his commitment. and There was no other place he could turn. He had come to know and believe that Jesus was the real deal. And the fact that the show stopped changed absolutely nothing but his dinner plans. Listen, what's it going to take for us to get there? I think Peter gives us a manual right here in these few verses that we can follow as we move into this new year so that we can embrace Jesus the way that Peter did. First thing he was willing to do is he was willing to embrace the hard teachings. I'm going to put it up there. Embrace the hard teachings. When others ran, he stayed put. When others pulled back, he leaned in. Listen, Peter didn't have it all figured out. He was as confused as anybody else was with some of the things that Jesus was teaching, but he was still willing to ride shotgun no matter what. Listen, in our relationship with Jesus, if we only follow him when we believe um, or when we understand what he's teaching, if we only follow Jesus when it makes perfect sense to us, then we've reversed the order of the relationship. Unless we're willing to follow him, even in the times where we're confused, even in the times where we're lost, even in the times where we haven't got things figured out, then we're going to miss out on some of the things that he has in store for us. Let me tell you where the appropriate place for you to wrestle with the hard teachings of Jesus are. That's within our community groups. Listen, for the next three weeks, we're going to be pitching community groups. And listen, we're going to be unapologetic about it. For three weeks, we are going to talk about community groups. We're going to show you videos about community groups. We're going to yell at you over community groups. It's not because we don't like you. It's because we believe that there's something bigger in store for you. And we believe that as good as this is, this isn't gonna get you as close to Jesus as Jesus wants you to be. It's within the context of community where you get to sit in the presence of 10 or 12 or 14 other people and say, look, I don't get it. Jesus says this, but it doesn't make sense in my head. How do you make sense of it? And then you're able to say, look, he says this and I'm trying to live by it, but I can't get it. I keep going back to the old things that I don't wanna do again. And within that context, you grow closer to Jesus. So we're gonna be pitching that. We're gonna be encouraging you to wrestle with the hard teachings of Jesus and then to embrace them as you work through them together as a group. The second secret to Peter's commitment was that he had come to recognize the emptiness of other things. You see, when the crowds went back to their old life, when they went back to their old thought process, when they went back to the things that they had left behind, Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, Peter recognized that he had nowhere to turn. Peter recognized the emptiness of everything else in his life, all the things that promised to fulfill him, all the things that promised to satisfy him, all the things that promised to give him joy, they all paled in comparison to the relationship he had with Jesus. As an author and theologian, C.S. Lewis, he sees this as the place that many of us still get stuck when he says it this way. It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong but too weak. 
We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Listen, we cling to things that promise to satisfy us even when it means neglecting the only thing that can. Listen, as we move into this new year, let's make a commitment that we're gonna let go of anything that separates us from what Jesus wants to do in and through us. Let this be the year that we walk away for good and embrace all that he has in store for us. And here's the third thing that Peter did. He had come to rely on more than a feeling. He'd come to rely on more than a feeling. He says, look, I have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see, what he says is, Jesus, this whole following you thing, this wasn't a feel-good moment. This is a lifelong commitment. This is a heartfelt conviction. This is a settled issue that supersedes my situation. You see, with the disciples, the resilience of their faith was impervious to the ever-changing nature of their feelings. Listen, they may have felt better when their stomachs were full. They may have felt better when Jesus was performing signs and miracles, but they say, you know what? My feelings are going to come and go, but my relationship with Jesus is going to last forever. Listen, a disciple follows Jesus even when the show stops. For Peter and the disciples, following Jesus wasn't a seasonal show. It was a daily discipline. What about you? Listen, are you just checking things out with this whole Christianity thing? Are you dipping one toe in the water of Christianity? Are you straddling the fence between what God has in store for you and what the world wants from you? Listen, now is the perfect time to say, Jesus, I want to be committed to you. I want to follow you. Even as the show of Christmas ends, I want to stamp my life with your plans and your purposes so they can take me into a new year and a new season full of wonderful experiences with you. My prayer is that we would all do that together as we move into this new year. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, We come before you now, God, desperate to see more of you in this year ahead. God, we want to see you move. We want to feel your presence. We want to experience things that we've never experienced before. And God, as we come off of this this high from the big show of Christmas, God, I just pray that we would be a people that's grounded enough in our relationship with you that, God, we don't look away for a minute but we allow the the celebrations of Christmas to spring us into a new place of satisfaction and contentment with you. God, I pray that you build this church out full of people that are living their lives that way, full of people that have you as their number one priority. And God, I pray that through our commitment to you, you bring even more and more people into the relationship as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Listen, this is the time of year that people make resolutions for all sorts of things. And listen, if you want to lose some weight, that's okay. Some of you probably need to. It's okay for me to say that. But let that be a side thing. Let's make a resolution together that we're going to follow Jesus closer than we've ever followed him before. That we're going to turn our backs on the things of this world and we're going to stick by his side. We're going to physically follow him, but we're also going to follow him with our hearts and with our heads and with our hands and with our feet and with everything else we have to offer because we know that he's the real deal 
And we want nothing more to be in his presence for the rest of time. Listen, I believe God has got some big plans for us in 2020. Listen, we've already got some things in the works right now, things that we're planning on, on, on revealing over the next few weeks and over the next few months, things that we're gonna be excited about, things that we're praying that God uses us in a powerful way to accomplish. But it's gonna depend on each individual person saying, Jesus, I'm with you and I'm willing to follow you wherever you want me to go. Listen, if you want somebody to pray with you, just encourage you as you move into 2020, we wanna do that. We're gonna have people up at the front that wanna do that. Maybe you've got some things in 2019 that you just need to walk away from. Things that are weighing heavy on your heart and you just need somebody to say, help me as I let go of these things and I leave them at the altar so that I can follow Jesus the way he wants me to. Listen, whatever God's doing in your heart, whatever decision he wants you to make, we want to celebrate that with you and we wanna be a resource for you. We're gonna be up here at the front as we sing. Y'all stand, we'll sing. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at